Well, welcome to the best day of the week. Uh, we can draw away from all the things that keep us busy and hopefully pull aside a bit, spend some time together, focus on those things that we know are really important, but they sometimes slip away from us during the week in the midst of all that busyness. Um, we're continuing in a series that Pastor Jim started a couple of weeks ago, uh, Me and My Big Mouth, and I'm not going to take it personally that I was one of the first ones they thought of to come speak for him this week, and, and that we're going to be talking about, oh, I'll share that with you in a moment. So this series begins with Jesus' words in Luke 6, 45. It reads like this, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And we've talked about complaining, and we've talked about criticism, and this week we're going to talk about something that's completely foreign to any of us, and that's lying. And again, they picked me for this week, so either I'm an expert or I'm not sure what. Uh, but this idea of lying, we were joking about it earlier today in the hallway. I could come up and say, y'all know lying's wrong, stop it, and walk off the stage. But it's really not that simple, is it? I mean, while we know that it's wrong, there's so much more to it, and there's so much that lies at the, the base of it. Um, our family, it didn't start with my wife Sue and I. It really began with our parents, and I don't know if it goes back further than that, but playing cards has been a thing that we've really enjoyed over the years as a family thing. It's also something we do often when friends come over. There's one game in particular. Um, none of us really remembers the name of it anymore. Uh, when we ask around the table, what do you want to play next? Somebody go, how about, oh yeah, let's play that. Now, if you've ever been to our home or if you've never played that game, I think at one point it might have been called nines, but I'm really not sure. Um, and whatever you call it, it doesn't matter uh, because it's, it's how the game is played that brought it to my mind to share with you today. Uh, if I, if I use card jargon that you're not familiar with, good for you. Okay, that's all right. Um, but the way the game is played is each person that leads off, whatever suit they lead, you're supposed to follow it if you have it. And if you have it, that's a good thing. If you don't have it, then you're allowed to play something that you want to get rid of or you're allowed to play a trump card, which means that you can take something. Trump usually takes everything else. No political agenda in that comment at all, okay? None at all. Um, and anyway, the, the, you guys are quick this morning. This is good. This is going to be way easier than I thought. All right, so when the trump card comes out, the assumption is that you can trust the player that's playing trump, that they don't have any more of the card that was led. The game goes terribly wrong if somebody lies about what's in their hand and the lie becomes a cheat 
and the cheat ruins the game, and then the fa- Fortunately, we raised two perfect children. Oh, no, see, you're laughing. We don't know how we got them, but God blessed us with some... And they had amazingly perfect friends. It never happened to our knowledge. But there are some of our family members that visit from out of state now and then. You got to watch them like a hawk. You know, you just really got to watch them. So, so this idea of lying, um, let's go ahead and go to the focus. It's, it's on there. You don't have to fill anything in. But is lying simply a matter of trust? That's the question. Did I hear an answer? I thought I heard like about a six-year-old answer over there. That's good. You kids go ahead and feel free to chime in when it's appropriate. Um, so who is it we don't trust? Is it we don't trust ourselves? Is it that we don't trust others? I submit to you this morning that perhaps it's that we don't trust God. Let's look at point number one. And this is where you get to fill in some blanks. Tougher to do with crayons. So if you want to use a pencil on this part, kids, that, those crayons don't make nice, tight, small letters. But while the opposite of lying would be honesty and truth, the opposite of truth isn't simply lying. And if the opposite of truth isn't simply lying, then what is it? And if you think about it for a moment, I submit that it's really a heart issue, like that first verse that Jim shared over the last couple of weeks. I submit that it's a heart issue of deceit and ultimately pride. When we lie... In essence, what we're saying is, I'll be the judge of what's true. I'll determine how much of that truth needs to be shared. I'll decide whether any truth at all needs to be shared because absolutely I am the ultimate judge of what is right and what is good, not God. I know what's best. I'm most important here. My feelings matter the most. It'll be way easier for me. It'll be much safer for me. And if that's not pride, if I believe that I can only trust myself to determine what is true and when to share what is true and not to share the truth then certainly it is a matter of trust, and it's a matter of trusting God. So interestingly, God does have a view of lying and truth. It's really pretty clear. I think Proverbs 12.22 comes up next, doesn't it? Yeah. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. I like those words because some of the other words for detests are kind of scary, not always understandable. I think the King James calls it an abomination. And they're much harder to spell. Um, An abomination. It's interesting that 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 word abomination, or the one that we translate as detest, also translates in some 
some translations as hates. God hates lying lips. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. What that word actually means um, in, a, in a very visceral sense is that it makes me sick to my stomach. It makes me ill. Uh, if you want to go more with the vernacular, it makes me want to throw up. Um, it causes God a kind of visceral response. He wants it out of his system. He doesn't want it there at all. It, it causes one to become ill. And yet, the reverse of that is a wonderful word. He delights in those. Now, I, I said we had perfect kids, and that was close to the truth. So does that make it a lie? Uh, but I can say with all honesty, I delight in my children. I delight in the friends they chose. I delight in the spouses they married. And for you grandparents in here, I really delight in some of the grandchildren they've brought. Um, Delight is kind of like just the opposite of getting sick, isn't it? Of wanting to throw up. In John 14, 6, Jesus, I'll, I'll read yours over here. I keep reading theirs and it's not fair. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. And obviously, the, the word we're focusing on and the one that's underlined in bold print, just in case you weren't picking up on it yet, is this idea of truth. Because we can talk about lies all day long, and we're going to talk about it a little bit. But the truth of the matter is that truth is the issue. So just, just to give us a quick recap of what we all already know, can you throw that word cloud up there? Here... Here are a few phrases and words that we have. We seem to, it is amazing. If you go online and look up synonym for lie, lying, it's loaded with stuff. I mean, you see some fun ones up there, right? I really like Whopper, which has nothing to do with food being served at a fast food place. Um, you know, Whopper's a good word, double dealing, fib, economical with the truth. Oh, wow, somebody really likes to lie and wants it to sound well, don't they? Um, look who's skullduggery. I would like to know the root of that word someday. But, and, and then, of course, we've got this whole, you know, you're a weasel if you lie. Um, you're a spin doctor. Oh, it's only a white lie. We have, we have levels. We've got this perfected, y'all. I mean, as a, I was going to say as a culture, but it goes so far beyond that. As as a humanity, we have perfected this idea of not sharing the truth, and we've given it so many wonderful names, and we've got this hierarchy of what's really bad and what's probably acceptable and what's, of course, what you would do. And it's so interesting that we have all of these great 
cloud of names, if you will. Um, what's interesting is none of these really speak to what it ends up doing. See, it's, it's not just the telling of the lie that's the problem. It's the effect the lie places into the future. It's what it does with relationships. It's what it does with situations. It's what it does with future possibilities. It's what it does with allowing God to be at work. It's really amazing. Often, it's the fact that one lie, let's see if you can finish this, one lie leads to, oh, you're too quick with that one, but I knew where you were going. We all did, didn't we? One lie leads to another. Now, to illustrate this fact, we've got a young man in our church, uh, Matt Timian. I didn't give him any real time to prepare, but I thought he did a fantastic job of getting this across. We've got this little video clip I'd like you to watch of Matt doing something fun here. Have you ever had a friend ask you if you wanted to hang out and you told them no because you said you were sick, even though you really weren't? Well, let me see your hand. Cover it. You've got to cover that lie now and you have to tell them another one. But you now, open, makes two lies. Now, another friend comes up, asks you, Pew, what was wrong? Asks you if you were sick. You tell him, no, I wasn't sick. What are you talking about? But you told Zach you were sick. Now, that's a third lie. This time, friend comes up to you and asks you what's wrong. Tell them you had the flu, but you told Zach that you were, had a cold. Now Zach comes up and asks you what was wrong, and now you have another one you have to tell them. Now, that's four lies. Another friend comes up a few weeks later and asks you again what was wrong, why you weren't in school, why you didn't go hang out. There was a way that you could have avoided all of it. Maybe if you would have followed Jesus, you could have watched your big mouth and avoided everything. Yeah, way to go, Matt. One lie leads to another. They, they become a false truth that gets passed around as if it were the truth. And then this whole deception thing becomes a destructive thing. Let's, have a, let's, let's move on to another way of looking at lies. Uh, this verse will be Roman, Romans 8.15, and it really has... Uh, whoops, maybe not. Maybe not. Oh, okay, we can do that one. There it is. There it is. It got there. Okay. Romans 8.15. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves... Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. We've, we've actually talked about this name for God, this Abba, um, and I'm going to ask any of the kids in here that remember what the word was that we used for this. Anybody remember what Abba meant? Go ahead. Yeah, Daddy. It was, it was a word that was odd in the culture, because while they, all children used it, it was one that was associated with children. And at one point, there was uh, this 
breakthrough in this idea that, that God, when he was being spoken to by Jesus, was referred to as Abba, Father, kind of like our word dad or daddy. I, I need you to know that there's all kinds of controversy because, you know, there's always controversy because my idea is always more important than the other guy's idea. And the controversy rages around this idea that can you really mean daddy when you say father? Do we really, you know, I, I don't want to get into that whole thing because all I have to do is look at the character of God and very sarcastically, if I were to say, yeah, you're right, God wouldn't want us to speak intimately to him. So whether or not father translates perfectly out into daddy or not, this idea of an intimate relationship that God wants to have with us, even in the way that we refer to him. Now, growing up, I didn't use the term daddy. It just it wasn't part of our family vernacular. My term of endearment for my father was dad, and he always knew, kind of like kids always know, he knew if I was having a really good conversation with him or setting him up for something bad. Because when I said, so, Father, what do you think about, and he knew it was trouble. But if it was just Dad, then it was me, his son, coming to him for whatever guidance, counsel, ideas, pleading, begging, whatever it might be. Just another hour. I'm almost done, whatever it was that I was asking for. It was always then dad, never father. Uh, so we've got this one notion in this verse about this Abba word, this term of endearment. And then now let's move on to John 8, 42 through 44. This one gets scary, you guys. So just read along with me if you would. Jesus told them, if God were your father, you would love me because I have come to you from God. I'm not here on my own, but he sent me. Why can't you understand what I am saying? It's because you can't even hear me. For you are the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Ouch. So, yeah, right? I agree. So, when I lie, apparently I'm speaking the language of Satan. Ah, but I'm supposed to be a child of God. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've been adopted by him. He is my Abba. But Satan wants us to lie. He not only wants us to lie, he wants, to, he wants us to lie to ourselves. And then if possible, he'd really love it if we'd live a lie. And somehow he's able to get us to think that if we'll tell the lie, it will somehow work out better than the truth. 
And yet God wants us to trust him. Jesus is the truth with a capital T. We're adopted as God's own children because of what Jesus has done, because of what the truth has done. And God wants us to believe that his way, the truth, is the right way. So this brings us to your next blank, I believe. Yeah. So the big question comes down to, who's your daddy? You'll never hear that phrase in quite the same way again, will you? There's a, a work out there referred to as the Truth Project. We did it actually here at church a number of years ago. Um, it was put out by Focus on the Family, and it was a very extensive, long-term study of what the Bible has to say about truth. It went beyond just defining truth, which I thought was a really cool definition. Um, they boiled it down to this. The truth is what's really real. Could it really be that simple? Yeah, it, it can. It's really real. And that truth was something that was absolute because it was based on God, God's character, and God's word. And if we use God and his character and his word as the basis for what truth is, then it is an absolute. There is no wiggle room left there. An interesting thing here is that there's an old saying, I'd like to have you finish it for me, please. It goes like this, practice makes Can I tell you something? We all were taught a lie, because that's a lie. That means if I practice lying good enough, I can become the perfect liar. And that doesn't play out. Here's how we should have been schooled, practice makes permanent. It becomes permanently a part of who we are, how we act, how we talk, how we think, how we respond to people, how we love. And unfortunately, we tend to practice some of the wrong things and then wonder why we're struggling. And I... I Please don't misunderstand. I'm not pointing anywhere. I get it. We practice the wrong things. And then as they become permanent, and I think Jim spoke about this a couple weeks ago. He gave you the, the whole neurosynapse story of how the brain fires and learns things, and it becomes a permanent way unless we retrain. Retraining is important. So let me throw something out there for you families. The moms and the dads and even grandparents, aunts and uncles, anybody that, that is around kids at all. Something that we often do is we catch people. Nah, that's not fair. We catch children. We, we might catch people, but we don't tell adults that we caught them. We only tell kids because they can't fight back. We catch kids 
in a lie. Or we catch a child stealing. Or we catch a child being mean. This whole idea of where we catch people. I'm not saying that that's a wrong thing at all. But could I suggest to families and people who are around kids that perhaps we should practice something in addition that might be more important? Because remember, practice makes permanent. And if we want our kids to practice the right things and all we're ever telling them is what the wrong things are, it might be confusing. What if we caught kids in a kindness? What if we caught children doing a chore before they were asked? What if we caught a child being helpful? Maybe not even just with you, but with somebody else. What if we were constantly looking for the good in our kids, as well as the things that we need to correct? I I understand the whole correction process. I understand in my house, at least, growing up as a little boy, I understood that there was a direct connection between this part of my anatomy and this and this part of my anatomy. It, It was a straight line. It rarely needed to be repeated. Because I wasn't stupid. I mean, come on. Don't ever do that again, so I won't ever do that again. Catching our kids, though, in the things that are good, that are right, that are pleasing, so that they know that they are good and right and pleasing, so that they know what to repeat and to practice. Thank you for that. I hope that was a dad. If it's a dad, way to go, dad. Okay, so on Monday nights at Pulse, we give Jay my iPad that has sound effects. And I was wondering, because I didn't put it away after last Monday, I wondered if it would rear its head. Uh oh. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. That was perfect. You're blessed, and I'm, I owe you big time, because that was right on. If I could find my, where I am in my notes again. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Philippians 4.8, it's not going to go on the screen. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. Guess what's going to be at the first of the list of things? Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So parents and people around young children, we need to be focused on those things as well. Not saying don't, you know, I'm not saying to let them just run amok, but how about we show them the things that they're doing well so that they can keep doing them? Um, this idea of what is true is so important. If you ever have a child and, and it's one of those horrible moments where the truth is required and you've asked for the truth and it's where a lie would save their skin and instead they share the truth, if you don't take that teachable moment and run it up the flagpole and salute it a hundred times, you're missing the point of what it means for practice to become permanent. Lying is one of those things that destroys 
God finds it detestable. And yet, lips that speak truth are a delight. There's a prayer that we're going to pray here in just a moment, if you'd like. If you're already an adopted son or daughter of Jesus Christ, actually you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ and you're a son or daughter of God, his father, if you've already placed your faith in his son, then this might be a prayer for you to follow with. If, if you're not that, if you're still looking, if you're still checking things out, you're still wondering about this, but the whole thing of truth kind of rings with you because it does sound right, then perhaps this is something that you can consider. But let's... Go ahead and, I don't know how Jim's been doing this. I'm not going to ask you to read it out loud. I'll read it out loud for us. God, thank you for doing everything necessary to make a relationship with you possible. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ, your son, to accomplish all of this for me. And thank you that you desire such a personal relationship, Father even to the point of daddy. As your child, I want to be just like you. I not only want your truth to be in me, but to invade my every thought and word and action. Father, I don't want to be a fearful slave of the father of lies. No more lies, no more deception. Let your spirit renew my thoughts and attitudes. Help me to put on my new nature. Only through your forgiveness will I be purified. Oh God, my Father, I want you to delight in me as your child of truth.